back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. Come inside. Right now. You are listening to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. I am your host, Morris Beagle. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Let's Talk Hemp's special episode as we look back to April 20th, 2019, where I was in New York City with Ronit from Honeysuckle Magazine, and we had a 420 Let's Talk Hemp Honeysuckle Cannabis Meetup at Bedlam in the Lower East Side of the city. It was a pleasure to hang out and catch some conversation with folks in the New York area working in the cannabis space. We'll get to the interviews here in a few minutes, but first I wanted to give everyone a little update as to what is going on with the show and what to expect in the coming months. First, we're still working through technical issues with recording our interviews. With the travel schedules of Rick and I, we've been playing around with different recording applications, and there's still some fine-tuning to do, and we'll keep working on these improvements. We've got interviews on the way in the next four weeks with Andrew Bish from Bish Enterprises, Lorena Beltran from Cannabis Salute in Mexico, and George Ho from Ingenuity Beverages and Myco Sativa. We'll cover everything from Nebraska hemp legislation to farming equipment to hemp and cannabis happenings in Mexico to mushroom and hemp supplements that provide health and wellness. We'll also be discussing all the current happenings going on with the USDA and the FDA regulatory process, banking and credit card issues for the hemp industry, Facebook and Instagram still banning advertising from all types of hemp companies, not just CBD companies, and... Here's a new one that just happened to me and my company, our newswire agency that we've been sending press releases out on since February of 2015 has notified us that we can no longer send out press releases through their service and they are going through one by one and removing all of my press releases over the last four years because their credit card processing company has threatened to cancel their processing if they release content pertaining to marijuana cannabis, hemp, CBD, or related products. Here is their statement attached to the 40-plus rejected press releases that I've got back in the last three to four days. They are going through my entire list over the last four years, one by one, and sending me rejection notices that state, due to restrictions placed on release wire by our credit card processing provider, we are not able to allow press releases, company profiles, or related content that discusses marijuana, cannabis, CBD, hemp, and related products. If at such time we are able to solve this issue with our credit card processor, we will try to reactivate your press release. To learn more about this policy, please visit our blog post located at, and if you want to see this blog post, check out the show notes and the link will be posted there. So, we have credit card processors threatening newswire agencies who are putting out press releases related to hemp and CBD, which are federally legal. This is what we're coming to, folks. 1984 is here, and we need to change this bullshit. We'll be diving into this more in the coming month, but in the meantime, please go check out www.hempislegal.org and join the movement to put an end to organizations government agencies, and banking institutions discriminating against a federally legal industry. We need everyone. We need an army. Please 
Come join us and free this plant and the industry from this continuous obstruction. All right. Now we'll get into the 420 Bedlam interviews done live on stage. We have attorney David Feldman from Dwayne Morris, Matthew Evertson, founder and creative director of Ronin, and real estate attorney Harlan Greenman from Greenspoon Martyr. We are here at Bedlam in New York City. We're going to kick off our Let's Talk Hemp and Honeysuckle podcast that we're going to record. Several folks today, including David here from Dwayne Morris. This is David Feldman. He's an attorney here in New York City. And we're going to uh, get this going. So welcome. Good to meet you. Happy 420. Happy 420. <laughs> Let me know how you got into cannabis. Around 2011, a whole bunch of companies in the U.S. went public that were focused on cannabis. And as a securities lawyer, that was my area of focus. And I've written four books. The first two were on this thing called reverse mergers. And all these cannabis companies went public through this indirect method because they were afraid that the Securities and Exchange Commission might not let them go public. This allowed them to do it without the SEC. We later learned the SEC would be fine with it, but they didn't know at that time. And so I inherited a few of those companies after my prior law firm made me turn it all down and said, no, it's too risky. And after I turned down over a million dollars of business, they said, all right, let's try one. And then a few years later, when I came to the firm I'm at now, Dwayne Morris, I discovered this firm had just decided to be the first top 100 law firm to really dive headlong into the space and be able to provide services across the nation and across all our different areas of practice. So can you let me know any of those particular companies that were there in the beginning and if they're still around and you're still working with them? Well, one of my clients was called Cerna. They're a Colorado-based company that you may have heard of. They're in Boulder. They, they were one of my first, and they make climate control and lighting systems uh, for cannabis grow facilities. And a lot of these companies back then were small and struggling and having difficulty raising money. And finally, we saw the beginnings of high net worth people and family offices starting to put real money into these companies. And that's when things really got exciting. When you started working with Cerna, was Tay Darnell working for Cerna? He was. He was general counsel oh, at really? that time. He later became president of the company. Right. And of course, now he runs uh, Sensi Magazine. Exactly. I just uh, talked to Tay the other day. Tay's. I've known guy. Tay for a long time from the music industry. His dad, Dick Darnell, produced records since the probably the 60s. I don't know. Tay. Didn't know <clears throat> yeah. So he comes from a music industry as well, which is where I came from. And that's where I met Tay probably like 20 years ago or so. Yeah. Fascinating company, Cerna. They've, yeah. they've been through a lot. And uh, they're hanging in there. They're doing all right. So we're in New York City, and obviously I'm from Colorado, and we legalized recreational out there. We've got med- medical out there, and, and industrial hemp is killing it out there. Where are we at in New York for recreational, medical, and industrial? We're sort of close at this point. In New York State, uh, as you know, we've had a medical program since 2014, and the first five licenses were granted then. The second five licenses were granted in 2016. Then there was a lawsuit where the first five tried to stop the second five. We represented one of the second five. That lawsuit got dismissed. We now have 10 companies pursuing opening vertically integrated facilities. And we also have a very aggressive hemp program in the state that our governor has really gotten behind, both in terms of grants being given to companies and really trying to help our upstate farmers, many of whom are struggling. And this has been a a wonderful, positive thing for them. And we now have, thanks to Cynthia Nixon, who ran against the Sex and the City star, who ran against Cuomo in the primary last year, 
hit him every single day on this issue during the campaign. Even his Republican opponent was favoring legalization. And we knew New Jersey was about to legalize as well. So the decision was made by Cuomo, who a year and a half ago said he thinks marijuana is a gateway drug. Now he's in favor of legalization. And we now have a democratically controlled both houses of our legislature. And so much like on the federal level, it's less about whether we're going to do it, but when and how. And the hope was, Cuomo had hoped to get it done in the first three months of this year in his new term, but it didn't work out and they missed the deadline for the, for, to get it in the budget. But he is still hopeful that it'll get completed probably around the end of June. Okay. So recreational in New York, we can pretty much assume will happen in 2019. That is what everybody believes. And it seems like the only differences among the parties relate to how far to go on some of the social justice issues. Sure. Well, that's, that's a debate all across the country. It truly is, stuff, including so. at the federal level. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the federal level, so here we are. Well, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. So the industrial hemp program, Cuomo has thrown a lot of money into it. And now Canopy Growth has stated that they're going to build out a, I don't know, $100 million or $150 million processing mega facility, probably buy up some acreage. And there's a lot of stuff those guys are doing. Do you really see New York being one of the prominent hemp states in the country here in the next three to five years? Yes. I think uh, it's one thing they can allow to grow outside. We have good conditions for it, even though it does get cold in the winter, so we don't have year-round growing. But there can be indoor growing. We also have in New York State the whole wine region on Long Island where a similar climate can grow cannabis or hemp successfully. So the conditions are good in New York for it. And you've got a big farming community, which most people don't realize, because obviously people think New York City is New York State, but it's really not. Right. And so there's a tremendous opportunity for hemp in New York State, no question. Yeah. I'm getting ready to go upstate and southern tier, Binghamton area, Syracuse area here in the the coming days, so I'm looking forward to checking out that part of the state. I've never actually been up there. Well, it's funny when you said Canopy is going to buy some acreage, but they just bought Acreage, the company, as well. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting. That that deal just came down yesterday. Yeah, I haven't heard. I just heard about it, but I haven't read anything on it. Well, what they did was they Canopy is listed in Canada, and they're a Canadian company, and they're listed on Nasdaq. And the reason Nasdaq allowed them to be listed as a grower and seller of cannabis was that they were only operating in Canada where it is fully legal. So far, Nasdaq has not allowed any U.S. cannabis plant-touching companies to be listed. They just allowed Greenlane Holdings, which went public on Thursday, which is the first U.S. cannabis company to go on Nasdaq, but they're a vape company. But previously, even Nasdaq hadn't let even non-plant-touching companies go on. No ancillary businesses whatsoever. But now they are allowing ancillary businesses where they, where they let one go through, but still not plant-touching. So what Canopy did was they said, we're going to buy acreage, but we're not going to actually close the deal until cannabis is federally legal in the United States. But we're going to give the shareholders of acreage a $300 million cash upfront payment now while we then go wait for legalization to happen. Then we give them the rest of the $3.4 billion, mostly in stock at that point, that they've agreed to give them upon legalization. Wow. Canopy's throwing around some money, aren't they? Well, they raised a lot, you know, from Constellation and some of these others. So they're the biggest, I mean, I think they have about a $20, $25 billion market value at this point. Really? So it's... And so from there, so they're number one. And then where we go? Right, Tilray, Til Aurora. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know which is you know. Yeah. I don't keep. I don't follow as much of the Canadian companies, but right. uh, you know, here you've got MedMen and Niantis and Terratech and GTI, and those are kind of the main U.S. companies. Who's the biggest of those right now? I'm not sure, but uh, I know MedMen's stock took a hit for a variety of reasons. They're very volatile, the stocks. Right. I, I hear that. I'm, I don't own any of those cannabis stocks at all. I think Acreage was one of the highest in terms really? of their market value before this deal was announced. Interesting. Well, there's a lot of activity going on in the market, that's for sure. Absolutely. And the, the public markets, again, are very uncertain, but there's also a lot of opportunity if, you, if you're careful how you, how you invest. I would agree with that. So last question, federal legalization, recreational across the board. When do you potentially think that could happen? Well, there may be steps along the way before we get all the way there. There is the Safe Banking Act that is moving through Congress now that will make banking a lot easier for companies in the industry. That has already passed the House Financial Services Committee with a strong bipartisan support. It is expected to pass the House. There is still a question in the Senate because Lindsey Graham and uh, Mitch McConnell have kind of said they don't want to do anything else after passing the Farm Bill towards legalization. So whether it'll get stalled, unclear. The next one is the SAFE Act. The SAFE Act is the one that Trump said he would probably support. Sorry, not to say that. The States Act. The States Act says we're going to let states decide about recreational use. And if you're legal within a state under the States Act, you would not be a controlled substance federally within the state. And so you would still have interstate commerce being prohibited and a state could opt out, but it would let the Republicans have some cover by saying, well, we're not legalizing it. We're just saying we're being good Republicans who believe in federalism and states' rights. And we're saying, well, we don't think it should be legal. We're going to let the states decide. And so that's why I think one of the reasons Trump said he would support it but again, same issue, getting it through the Senate may be a challenge. So, short, And then there's full legalization, and there are probably 70 bills in Congress right now, right. a lot of which say just full legalization. There's one called Regulate Cannabis Like Alcohol, which is maybe one of the simplest and smartest ones. It just says, whatever we're doing over there, let's do here. And a lot of people think that could get some traction because it's so easy and simple. But you have the folks that care a lot about the social justice piece like Cory Booker, who's pushing something called the Marijuana Justice Act, which focuses a lot more on expungement of convictions and preferences and licensing and that sort of thing. And so that's where the debate is going to move forward, along with trying to determine when the Senate is ready to do this. And so most people say it's five years or less to full legalization, and I think that's a fair characterization. So by 2025, good chance we could be there. Yes, I believe that. Absolutely. Oh, Mitch McConnell, you know, he signs this or he gets this farm bill verbiage and everything in there, which is really overall really good for the hemp industry. And within that, all cannabinoids are no longer on the controlled substances list, including CBD and THC, below 0.3% from hemp, which is cannabis. In essence, he already, they've already pulled THC off the controlled substances list, but yet he's definitely not in favor of legalizing marijuana in Kentucky or anywhere? No, uh, at least that's what he keeps saying. I am not in favor of legalization. He might ultimately become in favor of the states' rights type approach where he's not legalizing it, but he's letting states decide. And the good news about the Farm Bill is we really are now moving towards 
federally legal hemp and CBD derived from hemp. But the FDA, as you know, has thrown, you know, kind of canceled our party after the Farm Bill by saying, well, wait a minute, if you're going to do hemp-derived CBD in food or beverage, you need to get us to approve it. And so there's going to be the DEA, the FDA, the FTC, and the USDA are all going to be involved before we have clearly unadulterated, federally legal hemp and CBD products. But it's happening. It's going to happen. The question is, what can you do now? That's a question we're struggling with, frankly, with the number of our clients at the moment. Well, they should just take the Colorado hemp foods law, where we've already passed law that allows CBD and hemp extracts and cannabinoids and terpenes and all that as unadulterated food ingredients. Absolutely. That's the way it should be. Awesome. It's good to meet you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being on Let's Talk Hemp. All right. Thank you. We're back here with Let's Talk Hemp at Bedlam with Honeysuckle Magazine. Ronit behind the camera. Getting going on our podcast here. We've got Matthew Evertson from Ronin. Not Ronin Productions. Just Ronin now. There was a, another part of the name that's just been shortened up. So anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, and we be come it. from similar backgrounds, music industry and doing events. Why don't you tell me how you got into cannabis? Sure. Yeah. As you mentioned, I've been in the music industry for the majority of my career and was doing a podcast that a dispensary in California wanted to sponsor. Kind of opened my eyes to the opportunity of doing creative direction and music branding for cannabis companies. And Started building a network and throwing events, and here we are. Yeah. So we're out in California? Los Angeles, yeah. The, so were the, you living there? No, but I've spent a lot of time there. My brother was there for 10 years, so I've been going back and forth for the past 15. So but a lot of experience. I'm, been, I'm a New Yorker, yeah. Just New York City? Upstate New York, originally from Schenectady. Okay. Uh, it's about 20 minutes west of Albany, but I've been in the city for the past 10 years, yeah. Okay. And really doing music business stuff, music industry stuff? Yeah, doing like music management and event production. I uh, was managing calendars for different venues and producing my own nights and, and parties. And then uh, started doing some creative direction for music licensing in, in the advertising world uh, and have been doing that for the past seven. Okay. Yeah. And so when did you break into doing events in the cannabis space? Uh, three years ago. I threw a party in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Roosevelt for a group of individuals that I had known who were both in the above board and illicit space and just trying to be able to offer a dialogue as to how we can support shifting the narrative and ending the stigma around cannabis and prohibition. And then that led you to doing some stuff in Vegas, is that correct? Yeah, so uh, I was able to connect with producers from an event. I would speak uh, regularly at a, a conference called the Vegas Music Summit that took place every year in my experience in the music industry. And one of those co-founders was at the party that I was just referring to and saw the success and, and the energy behind bringing this kind of conversation people together and said, can we apply that to the model of two days of programming and education and entertainment? We tried it. We started in July, which was the month that we planned for the event. And then they announced that they were going to do, introduce their adult program that same month. So we had some great success with some brand partnerships and, and being able to really you know, make some uh, impact in the, in the community that year. In Nevada. So yeah, when in Las Nev- Vegas. Yeah. And so when Nevada announced that they were going to go to adult use. Yeah, it was July of 2017, yeah. And so the timing for your the timing thing was just perfect. Aligned. Perfect, yeah. Yep. It's always nice when that happens. So we launched NoCo Hemp Expo in 2014 in Colorado. We did it in a small club that my buddy was booking. I was yep. just trying to find a, a space that had... Uh, a bar yep. that could do food, where we Absolutely. could have vendors and they had yep. a stage and we could have some music and speakers. And and then that conference is now, we just did our sixth conference in Colorado. We had 10,000 awesome. people. 
three days conference, investor yeah. forums, farm symposium, shit tons of programming, yeah, two hundred plus exhibitors. Yeah. So it's bringing groups of people together, yeah. as, as you've seen, yep. and other producers in this space have seen in different parts of the world and different parts of the country, where you get the the right people in these rooms, and then that energy just magnifies, and yeah, and the movement is truly happening. At yeah, this point. absolutely. You know, just creating a platform for people who have those authentic stories and can really translate the message in a powerful way. It's really important. It is. People can communicate that and their messaging. And we had talked about this before we even got on, yeah. you know, before we sat down here, is the, the messaging and being able to get our messaging aligned, you know, from producer to producer and event to event. Yeah. And the, this whole movement needs to get our messaging really aligned. Yeah. It's been, you know, 80 years of, of prohibition and also strategic misinformation and disinformation. And there's so much of a, of a stigma behind a lot of the messaging and the culture we've seen because it's been in the illicit space. And to transition that successfully and safely for the producers and consumers of the plant into mainstream is really valuable conversation. So you've been primarily doing the medicinal and recreational side of things. Yeah. And anything on the hemp side? No, not specifically hemp. Um, although, I mean, I've, I've done some consulting with CBD companies that are, you know, full spectrum hemp uh, derived products, but not specific outside of that. Yeah. And what are your plans for the remainder of this year? You got any events going on? Yeah, there's a, an event tomorrow night here in the city at Chelsea Music Hall. I'm producing with my co-founders. It's 421 Justice for All. It's a live event. We're going to be streaming uh, over the internet, raising awareness for different beneficiary organizations we've partnered with, um, the Drug Policy Alliance, Veterans Health Solutions, National Bailout, and Cage-Free Cannabis, all specific to their causes. And we're going to throw a party and you know, bring some attention to what they're doing. And where's that at? It's at the Chelsea Music Hall. It's in. Uh, it's on Fifteenth and Ninth, and it's tomorrow night. It's it's free with RSVP. Just to the website four twenty one for all dot com, and you know, hope to see a great crowd there. Awesome live music, yeah. DJ. Yeah, live music. The DJ to start and finish tonight, but there'll be two hours of programming where we'll hear from uh, you know the organizations that I mentioned, and then also interwoven with different musical performances. Okay, so. Live performances, speakers come up and talk about their organization, yep. and the cause, and then more music, yep. and then and then we dance and, and celebrate. There we go. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Anything else you want to add? I, you know, appreciate you guys having me, and you know, keeping the the message above board, and trying to be able to unite like minded folks and get this to where we need it to be. Where we're still a long way away, but you know, great work's been done, and I appreciate what you're doing, and. You know, wish you luck with the, the expos. I hope to see it soon. Yeah, yeah I appreciate what you're doing. And yes. we, if everybody plays their role yeah. in the end, I think we're going to win. Absolutely. Thanks so, so much, right, man. Thank Pleasure you. to meet you. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Talk Camp. We are here at Bedlam in New York City. And we have Harlan Greenman from Green Spoon Martyr. That is a law firm based out of Florida. But it's got offices all over the country, including here in New York and New Jersey. Welcome to the show, Harlan. Thank you. So start, we are here. It's 420 in New York City. We're talking about cannabis, all things cannabis from hemp and medical and recreational. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do in the legal space, which from my understanding really hasn't been touching cannabis too much until recently, until your firm started getting involved with this. So, Yes. Personally, um, when I joined Greenspoon Martyr about 18 months ago, uh, one of the things that was exciting was uh, that Jerry Greenspoon, who is one of the two leaders of the firm, 
uh, has been starting to get the firm involved in, in any number of its offices with the cannabis space, and it has become a major, major initiative for the firm. Specifically in our Denver office, uh, we have a major presence there, and that is now percolating through our other offices. Uh, recently hired uh, additional attorneys practicing in the cannabis space in New York, for example. And I know there's some interest in doing that in some of our other offices as well. From my perspective, I bring to the table not specifically expertise in cannabis, although I have familiarity with many of the legal issues involved, but as a commercial real estate practitioner, various deals all need to be structured because whether you're a grow facility or you are a dispensary or whatever you happen to be, you, it all starts with real estate because it has to happen somewhere and there has to be a way to finance it. And we've been working on creative ways to deal with the fact that while it may be legal on a given state's level, you're still dealing with the federal prohibition, which has created, as we all know, an underbanked situation for those in the industry. We have talked to any number of our banks, and they're very happy to bank this industry as soon as the Federal Reserve and the controller of the currency and various other federal agencies involved tell them that they can do so. Do you feel that those permissions will be given in the next 12, 24, 36, 48 months? How do you see that rolling out? Well, it's hard to put an exact time frame on it. We have certainly seen a liberalization of laws across the country, just the number of states that have not only legalized it, but are on the cusp of legalizing it, including New York and New Jersey right here are creating an energy that most recently in Congress, for the first time, legalized the growing of hemp in the, in the, in the farm bill. And that is an amazing step forward. To suggest that could have happened just a couple of years ago under any administration, you know, you, you practically could have knocked people over with a feather. And now people are talking about incremental steps towards full legalization. So while that may not happen in the next 12 or 24 months, I think that if we were to come back here in a decade, we would look back and say, wow, look at that. It happened. Well, it's definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. I agree. So mentioning the farm bill and and hemp specifically, are you guys working with any hemp farms or are you working in hemp deals at this point? In the largest practice that's in Colorado, yes, they are working top to bottom with the entire industry, including the growers, including putting together those who process the product and then those who sell it at the retail level. Of course, that's very, uh, very vibrant in Colorado. Here, you know, since it's not yet legal uh, on the consumer level, there's just the uh, medicinal side. We're a little bit more circumscribed in what we can do, but we are at least laying the groundwork for being able to hit the ground running as soon as a bill is on a governor's desk and gets signed. What about the hemp industry in New York? Because that is starting to happen. There are people growing, and I think Cuomo's committed $10 million to the industrial hemp side of things in this space. That is correct. He has, and you know, we view that as an exciting area for sure. I think that that's why we recently brought additional personnel on board and they are just starting to integrate within, you know, within the firm and within our office. And it, uh, I look forward to the next six to 18 months being a very exciting time about that. 
So would you consider your firm scaling up across the country to be ready to deal with this cannabis explosion? Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, the opportunities are developing, and as a result, you know, Jerry has committed the firm to the putting in the resources to this so that, it, that we, as we scale up, as we've just started to do in New York and are looking to do elsewhere, we will be able to provide full service across the board. And that actually kind of fits in indirectly with some of our other practices because we have people who represent some of the large uh, international tobacco concerns, for example. And it's kind of hard to imagine that as cannabis becomes legal, that there's not going to be a lot of crossover and cross-fertilization. And since we're already in one space, it seems like we should be able to jump right in with respect to the other space easily. Yeah, there's a lot of cross-pollinization between both sides of everything coming down the pipe, I think. I think that's exactly correct. I think what we're going to see going forward is that as the legalization not only spreads state to state, but no matter how it happens on the federal level, as it happens, that you're going to see a whole new group of players in that cannabis has been sort of a standalone industry, almost of necessity, because you do deal continually with, oh, yes, but it's federally illegal. But as soon as that continues to get mitigated, you're going to see all the mainstream players jump in and say, oh, you know, we want to be a part of this as well. So some of these growers may find themselves as attractive acquisition targets as dot-coms were 20 years ago and as so many companies that are getting bought by the Facebooks and Googles of the world are today. Yeah, you're already seeing the big players from Canada that have come in, the Canopy Gross and Tilray's and Aurora's that are buying up all these smaller companies and building out their portfolios. And then when other players that haven't entered the market yet that are much bigger than those guys come in, they'll turn around and start acquiring guys like that that have already acquired 50 or 100 companies or whatever it is. I can definitely see that. There's a lot of people who have yet to enter the market that will, that have got deep pockets and are ready to play once they get the the go-ahead from the federal level. And that and that plays across many of our practice areas. I mean, I call myself a commercial real estate lawyer, but I do an awful lot of finance for various lenders. And many, many of my partners, they represent mezzanine lenders, which is uh, you know like an equity piece that's necessary. And all of that's going to play into the cannabis industry as it becomes more mainstream. Interesting times ahead. Very exciting. Uh, something I'm glad to be a part of and look forward to being a greater part of going forward over the next several years. All right. Well, thank you for coming out and being part of this. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This episode of The 422 is underwritten by The Hemp Road Trip and HempEvents.org. Visit www.HempEvents.org for the best filtered listing of hemp-related events in the United States and abroad. Thanks again to Honeysuckle Magazine for coordinating our first New York City Let's Talk Hemp Cannabis Conversation meetup. And thanks to David, Matthew, and Harlan for coming down and sharing their time and knowledge. They all had plenty to say. Be sure to check out hempevents.org to see all the cool events happening this summer and fall. And with that, we have Hemp on the Slope coming up on July 20th at Salt Creek Ranch in Coburn, Colorado. This is the fourth annual event, and we look forward to another great day on the farm. Tickets on sale now at hempontheslope.com. 
A couple weeks after that, on the weekend of August 3rd and 4th, we host the NOCO Hemp Village at Arise Festival, which is a fantastic, no-trace, socially conscious event that has about 10,000 people, 100 live bands, great food, and vendors. Last but not least, for this show anyway, sponsor and exhibitor registration is now open for the second annual Southern Hemp Expo, taking place 25 minutes outside of Nashville in the city of Franklin on September 6th and 7th. Tickets go on sale on July 1st, and we are expecting a huge turnout for this event, so please get your tickets early and make sure to buy them before you book your plane tickets and hotel reservations. Word to the wise, Always get your event tickets before your plane tickets. That's it for today's show. Next week, Rick will be back and we'll have Andrew Bish on to talk about hemp equipment and Nebraska legalization. Go Cornhuskers! The best way you can support the show is to share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. Don't miss the opportunity to learn more about this podcast at letstalkhemp.com. And if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe and leave us an iTunes review. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.